0: Dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. Welcome back to the Dominion podcast, episode number nine. We're almost at 10, almost at 10. And uh, by the way, I double checked those stats last week. I said we had like 250 downloads. That's way low. We're like over 500 now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time.
1: Do we get a prize for that?
0: <laughs> what kind of record would you get on the wall if you sold <laughs> yeah, 500 exactly. records? The wooden <laughs> plywood record? Hey, I meant to tell
1: you, they actually did send us a $20 Amazon thing. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. Oh, okay. So if there's anything we need for 20 bucks. From Amazon. We get
0: some some more of these uh, microphone covers. Yeah, mic covers. Those I are mean, nice. That will take I just a-
2: slobber all over mine. So I probably got another <laughs> week. <laughs> I'll need another one. It's all crusted over. We'll now. get
0: back to throw them through the laundry with the socks.
2: <laughs> is there something that happens at the tenth episode? Like, is there a some kind of we throw a party?
0: Is probably what we're going to do. Yeah. We should uh, yeah. We'll have maybe we'll have a live studio audience that mm. night. Um, They can just sit and listen to us pontificate or bloviate even. (laughs) Bloviate. I could do some live music. (laughs) I would like that. Apparently, uh, Ben is a a fantastic piano player who who (laughs) never plays for anybody. Scat mainly. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know you could scat on a piano. Yeah. All right. Well, this week uh, we're talking about liberty and human flourishing and Christian love Mm -hmm. all wrapped up together. So, Alex, why don't you start us off on the topic?
1: Yeah, well, I thought, you know, one of the, uh, in light of our current context, one of the more concerning revelations of the past year has been the near total disregard for human freedoms. And it's, I mean, in one sense, you'd expect that from the world, but it's still startling when you when you bring up the fact that there have been restrictions on human freedoms, which are just, that's just obvious, that just is the case. Um, you know, the freedom to travel, the freedom to associate, the freedom to be with our families, the freedom to worship freely, the freedom, uh, you know, Many things. When those are restricted, when you, when you highlight that fact or bring attention to those things, uh, there's almost no sympathy or concern whatsoever. And in fact, um, that the appeal or the recognition of that loss of freedom is viewed as selfish. Mm-hmm. And what's been most alarming, I think, is that a lot of maybe the majority of Christians in Canada have adopted that posture, that we have no concern for the lack of liberties, uh, the loss of liberties. And in fact, to complain about it or to raise concerns uh, is to complain and is to be selfish and a whiner. Um, and to me, this is very concerning uh, for multiple reasons. We'll, we'll work through these, uh, but not the least of which is people's well-being. The strange thing that's happened is that there's been a total disconnect between human freedom and human flourishing, as Mm -hmm. if you can have flourishing without freedom. And this is not the way that the majority of the world thinks who doesn't experience these freedoms. I mean, that's why people come to our country, because they want freedom, and the flourishing that it it possesses, that human freedom is not a kind of, uh, what do you say, superfluous you know, add on to things. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen, but it's not something that's um, nice but not needed. Right, right. It's the foundation yeah. of human flourishing. Right. So you can't say you care about human flourishing, and you can't say that you care about love if you don't also care about human freedom. Mm-hmm. And so I want to maybe take the podcast to just re tell this narrative more according to scripture, what the scriptures say about freedom and how does that relate to the well-being of our neighbors, which we ought to care about. How does that relate to the way that we love the Lord and that we express love to others and kind of disentangle it from this selfish narrative that most people have adopted. Hmm. I I wonder if if
2: kind of the readiness to to give up the prospect of flourishing is partly due to us being so unacquainted with what it is to flourish. I mean, wh- what is what is secular human humanism? Uh, what is their definition of of, of flourishing? Well, it's self preservation. Yes, it is. Um, you, yeah. you you know you 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 sit at a computer, you play video games. It's it's hedonism. Um, you know their their offer of you know it's it's. Making a lot of money, hopefully, um, doing what you feel, you know, uh, defined by you know it, it um, celebrated in, yes. and uh, you know what kind of emphasizes your identity. And there's a general sense of kind of resignation, where it's kind of like, well, is this it? Like, yes, is is this flourishing? And if I have to give that up, yes, I mean, I'm just better on my own anyway. Like we need we need a, a um, uh, a whole conversation of what it what is human flourishing. Yes. Maybe that's another conversation. That but-
1: is. We kind of started that last week. But yeah. That's an amazing point. That's a great point, Ben, because people are giving up freedoms because they think they are flourishing. They think if I give up all of these things, which have been central to human flourishing and the way that we've conceptualized that, but I can be safe... Then I am flourishing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. to give up my freedoms isn't to give up my flourishing. But what we're yeah. realizing is that that isn't flourishing. No, that yeah. that survival that, yeah. is when, not flourishing. When your world has shrunk too wide, I still have my
2: phone. Yeah, I'm still allowed a bank account. Yes. like I can still TV play my computer and, games, yeah. and like no one can bother me. Like no one has to bother me. That yeah, I mean, that's great. That's right. flourishing, right? I mean, it's just such a suffocating. Yeah. But that's what you get. I mean, that's yes. what the, um,
1: that's the heaven that secularism offers, right? And therefore, the sacrifice is worth it. Yeah, that's a, That's a great observation. So, why don't we why don't we talk about what freedom is? Because you know, if we're at a place where freedom is viewed as dangerous and slavery is a virtue, I mean, we need to back up a few steps. So, I thought a helpful a, a biblical definition of freedom. Which you or liberty, which is not the same as licentiousness. A Christian view of liberty is the freedom to do what you ought to do. Yeah. Whereas a worldly view of freedom is the freedom to do what you want to do. And maybe this is again another piece of why people react against discussions of freedom because they hear you saying, because this is what they say, this is what their worldview is freedom means doing what I want to do. And that's obviously not a good thing that we would all acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. And it's self-contradictory. I mean, if you do what you want to do and Ben does what he wants to do and I do what I want to do, and that conflicts with one of our desires, then who, who wins? And it's a power game. So we, you can't actually all have that kind of freedom. Only the powerful can. But freedom in a biblical perspective is a totally different thing. Yeah. It's the freedom to do what you ought to do, Which is why James calls it the law of liberty, and why um, even when we think through things like the Ten Commandments, uh, implicit in those "Thou shalt not" is upholding the freedoms and the rights inherent to other people. And
0: the and the promises of the law in the Old Testament were: if you do these things, you will live by them. You know, it's like if you do these, if you if you obey my law, you'll live. If you don't, these curses will overtake you. And there's you know the giant list of this is what's going to happen to yes. you if you don't. Yeah. And it's not so much a threat. I mean, it is, but it's also just that's the way it is. Yes. When you obey yeah. God, it's not magic. Yeah. He He created things to run in a certain way. And yes. when you obey him, there's that's where the flourishing is.
1: And the opposite of that, sin, in the Bible is slavery. Yeah. But the way we think of it in our unbelief is that we think that obedience is slavery and that, that uh, sin is freedom. You know the freedom to do whatever I want, but in in the scriptures, it's the opposite. Whoever uh, whoever continues to sin is a slave to sin, right? That mm-hmm. the word tells us, and uh, so we need to we need to step back a bit. And first, when we say freedom, we say liberty. We don't mean libertarian. We don't mean doing whatever we want. Uh, we mean doing what we ought to do according to the scriptures, mm-hmm. according to a standard, and, and that's d- yeah. good for everyone.
0: Now the world has no category for this, right? Because they don't they don't have the worldview we do. Uh they don't have the same anthropology we do, right? Yeah. So they don't have uh human beings depraved and sinful needing release from that, needing new hearts. Right? We believe the beginning of liberty is the new birth. It's being born again. It's having the heart of stone taken out, right? But they don't believe that's a starting point. So they I don't think they can get to the true understanding of it because they're not starting from the right place.
1: Yeah yeah everything everything will be off because of that so when we say doing what you want we we really mean to love right because jesus said that the two greatest commandments are to love god and to love your neighbor and all of the commandments hang on these and uh the christian's greatest duty is to love god and and after that is to love their neighbor and this this is this produces the greatest amount of human freedom mm-hmm. and i love the image you know uh, many people have talked about this, but in the beginning, it was a garden of yes and a tree of no. I mean, the commands of God are not burdensome. Um, living in the world that God created, according to His will, is a good thing. It's work working with the grain, and it it is it will uphold the greatest um, amount of flourishing for all people. Hmm. And so that's what we mean by freedom. We're not here, you know libertarians like stay off my lawn and 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 i have no obligations towards other people right. and it's it's my rights my rights right. my rights um that's not what we're saying
0: no and yeah i like i like how you put that no obligations like freedom true liberty does involve obligations
1: 100 percent
0: uh that's just the way god created he created us all with responsibility in different yeah. spheres of our lives and yeah um, that has to play a part in the liberty as yeah liberty is not just staying by yourself at home.
1: No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So when we think about, as we mentioned, sin, um, sin is not actually freedom. Sin is slavery. We think about Titus 3.3, 3, we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slave to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. So to live um, in unbelief before we're born again through faith in Christ, uh, we're actually enslaved, it says, to our passions and pleasures, meaning what we want to do. And this makes sense on a philosophical as well as a practical level. I mean, you can't do that which you don't want to do, right? Yeah. And so uh, what needs to change is, is your desires, you know, And Jesus himself, I already said, that everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Uh, but the good news is, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free Amen. indeed. And so where that leads us, when we talk about freedom, we don't begin, we don't produce freedom through legislation, first and foremost, foundationally, or just through political action alone. Uh, true freedom is only produced through the gospel. Because only the gospel can uh, free us from our slavery to sin, free us from our slavery to the devil, uh, free us from our slavery to death, and set us free to actually live in a free way. And so part of our task moving forward as a church is to make sure we keep that gospel focus. That as as freedoms are eroded around us, as our health unit, as our mayor, as our premier, as our federal politicians totally don't care about, if our neighbors don't care about, if they don't vote to preserve human dignity, um, we have to make sure that our efforts are focused on on gospel revival. You know, I'm preaching mm-hmm. the gospel because. That's going to be what brings about a kind of people who cares and upholds and respects the freedom of their neighbor mm-hmm. and what we're seeing right now in the lock in the lack of concern for personal freedoms is just unbelief it's just right. why would we have a, a culture that has rejected Christ and his word and still love the freedoms contained therein you just you just won't have both those things mm-hmm. so I mean I've been convicted of that. As well, just thinking. Yes, the most important task we have is gospel proclamation, and uh, hmm. and you need freedom to do that. Yeah, you do, and that's why we insist on that. <laughs> that's
0: right, right. Yeah, because we believe that's the only the only remedy. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's 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 ironic that uh, you know so many hate conservatism and and anything that smacks of. Traditional values, which ultimately can be traced back to the, the Bible. I mean, you don't really you don't have those values without that. Um, but they enjoy the um, the freedoms that that has produced. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, for, and for a little while longer. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And and in destroying those things, they will eat themselves eventually. Yeah. yeah. They'll destroy. Uh, any freedoms that they had. Yeah. I mean, there's so many issues here. We could talk about <laughs>
0: history and, and how we yeah. haven't been taught properly. You know, there's a, like you said, the, these freedoms we have are because of revivals in the past. We yeah. think of all the, the great awakenings. We think yes. of the Protestant Reformation. These yes. are the things that have led our culture to the place where we have things like property rights and due, yes. due process. Yeah. And, you know, the where the magistrate just can't come into your house and take you yeah. away. Or shouldn't be able to do yeah. that. Yeah. So that 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 stuff doesn't just happen. That's not you know the blind chance of po- political evolution. Human no. progress. That, come, that yeah. That, that's not human progress.
2: That comes from yeah. somewhere, and it comes you, from scripture. yeah. You only affirm that if you actually know nothing about history. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which is but, where we're at. But, but, which <laughs> well, Yeah. We have. Yeah. I mean, we're so optimistic about the future. I mean, it's insane how we just. You know, we're just with these technologies, and uh, you know things are are obviously just going to get better. And um, yeah, meanwhile, a willful it, naivety.
0: So yeah, I mean, think what was the last time our culture had this kind of positivity? Wasn't it like right before World War One? You know, right. Right? after yeah. all this, yeah, the reality pro- you know, came crashing down. Yeah, progress. So it's it's going to come crashing down again. Um, hopefully, we'll learn from it this time.
2: Yeah, and but when he, you forsake the when you forsake the dignity. Of the individual being made in uh, being made in the image of God, that's the cornerstone of of all you know law and order and stable society and and freedom and liberty. You don't have that; Uh, we're all just people trying to crabs in a bucket, right? And it's it's a collectivist mentality. mentality.
0: If you don't have the individual uh, created in the image of God, it's just Spock, right? What's the greater good for everybody? Yeah. Well, yeah, you're, you know, that's that's why we have euthanasia. That's why, well, you're just a burden on society. I saw a movie the other night that was actually um, pretty interesting. Uh, it was called One BR, One Bedroom. It's like a, it was like a thriller type of thing. But it's this this woman rents an apartment and uh, they end up brainwashing her into this cult. Uh, and at one point, there's an elderly woman that they, who's part of their cult, and they are going to say goodbye to her because she can't. She can't perform in the community anymore, so they're killing her so they can make room in her apartment for somebody else to come in and get, get brainwashed. And I thought, isn't that like a powerful, um, a powerful polemic against euthanasia? And it yeah. was, you know, you could tell that's what they were getting at too. But that's kind of what where we're at, right? It's like that collectivist. What do, can we all, uh, you know, is there is there like a, like a common Culture good that we're seeking after instead of who gets to define that, (laughs) yeah.
1: Well, and it's an anti gospel because the gospel says, My life for yours, that's what Christ did. He laid down his life for the sheep. But what collectivists it, it looks like that on the surface, but really, like we said before, it's your life for mine. It's not actually, they say, Well, we need to be willing to set aside our rights, but what you mean is, He needs to be able to set aside His rights, yeah, they need to be able to set aside their rights for the God of us. Whereas what the gospel says is that Christ, the individual, laid down his life Mm. for for others willingly. No one took it from him. And that's what love is. Love doesn't take someone else's life uh, for the greater good. Love gives up Mm -hmm. its life for others. And what that does, and this is kind of to, to bring it to the ground, this is why it's so concerning that so many Christians, one, don't give a rip about this, uh, and to actively kind of suppress those who raise these concerns is that the gospel should produce the kind of people who care about other people. The gospel should produce the kind of people who care that the dignity and the worth bestowed by God on all of his creatures is upheld. Well, what other kind of love is there? And foundational to that, as Ben said, is a recognition that they are created in the image of God and they have. Inalienable rights, as as it were, they have things that are not bestowed upon them uh, by the state. They're not, and that's what we're seeing today: is that when you have no God, the highest power becomes your God. Yeah, in our instance, it's the state, but. If there's nothing above the state, then the state determines what your rights are. Mm-hmm. And the, the good thing about the rule of law and the supremacy of God, which our Charter recognizes, it's not just a, a throwback to a bygone era. There's a, there's a specific purpose. And that is to say, we recognize these rights and freedoms as given to us by God. Which means they can't be taken by someone else. Mm-hmm. They're they not derived by vote. They're not derived by edict of the magistrate. They simply are. And they must, the, the role of the government is to recognize and uphold them. But we have this total inversion where those in power are acting as though they determine what our rights are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, if you know the, and that's, that's really concerning.
0: That's the default setting, though. For governments. Uh, Yeah. And it takes people to stand up every generation and say, nope, that's not, you know, that's not yours to to dictate. Yeah. Because they're just going to want to do that no matter what the political system is. The government's always going to want to take more and more and more. Yeah. And if the people don't just stand up and say, no, you can't do that, they're going to do it. Yeah. And that's where we're at. Like you say, people don't care. They don't give a rip. Yeah. As long as you got your stuff uh, and nobody's going to bother me, you know, then- doesn't doesn't matter what they do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a severe naivete too. Yeah, like to to think that they actually do care about us.
2: Yeah, it's it's sad that um, now the argument to you know um, Christians aren't loving others is they would say, well, I'm loving my neighbor by by keeping them safe, right? By um, that would be kind of the retort, right? If if I Kind of stay behind closed doors and, and distance from everyone. Uh, then that's how I'm loving them, but it demonstrates a profound. I mean, as Christians, we above all people should be able to understand, uh, you know, that mere existence uh, is not human. No, uh, and man doesn't live by bread and, alone. Yeah, and, but it betrays kind of. Um, where we've fallen to as, as mm-hmm. a kind of broader evangelicalism where we, we can say, you know, yeah. I'm loving you just as long as, as, as by prolonging, uh, you know, theoretically your longevity, your life, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and to heck with everything else, which yeah. is such a, I mean, that's... It's an abdication
0: the- of responsibility for one, and I think that's part of it. It's easier just to say, I'm going to love you by not having anything to do with you yeah. than actually going and loving a person. Yeah. But I mean, if we were really reading our Bibles, we would see there's no, there's no basis for, A, there's no basis for quarantining healthy people. Mm-hmm. If you had Ebola, it would be loving to not go yeah. be around other people. Yeah. But if you're healthy, there's, there's no scriptural warrant for mm-hmm. isolating from other people. In well, the there's name, no, in the name of love.
2: And in action no. isn't isn't love. You no. can't read the New Testament. Well, there's it's also all... no
1: epidemiological warrant for it yeah. either. Yeah. Like we've never done this before. This is the first time we've ever done mass quarantining of a healthy people yeah. to yeah. help a pandemic. And it hasn't worked. It hasn't affected things. Yeah. But so what would you I mean, the retort is also, well, this is political. You're being political and the church Uh, When you talk about rights and freedoms, you're being political, and we need to simply preach the gospel or something like that. But it's like, no, no, we're saying that if you preach the gospel, if you believe the gospel, (laughs) then you should love your neighbor. And if you love your neighbor, you're going to care that their dignity is recognized. You're going to care that their freedoms that are central to their flourishing are upheld. Yeah. Do you care that
0: they have to foreclose on their mortgage because the government told them they can't run their business? Yeah. I mean, I'd be loving to help them out of that situation.
1: Yeah. Or that their cancer screenings were delayed five months and they've got a terminal diagnosis. Yeah. You know, or they've they've succumbed to uh, addictions and, you Depression know. Depression. Yeah, yeah. Suicide, all these things. And it, it comes, we don't th- think
2: deeply. We haven't been raised to think beyond the first kind of few inches uh, of issues. Yeah. Um, so, you know we get our answer right we get our answer oh i'm you know i'm staying home i'm sta- i'm keeping everyone safe that's a loving thing to do and yeah. we kind of stick with that yeah and there's no real impulse to be going you know further out further in and 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 actually getting to the root i mean that's the romans 13 thing right it's like you've yeah. got You read it, you have kind of a general impression of what it says, and that's just what you're content. Yeah. And it's convenient as well. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, any ideological thinking is reductionistic. It's a simplistic answer. It's a simplistic way of looking at the world and solving its problems. This is the biggest or only problem in the world, and therefore this is how we'll solve it. Uh, And that's just folly in the Bible. You You don't seek out wisdom. You don't seek out understanding like a wise person. You retreat to your presuppositions. You close your ears. You don't get outside opinions. You don't hear the other side. You you stay with your simplistic understanding of things.
2: I think that's been the concerning thing. Um, even you know respected Christians in institutions who should be thinking and who should above all people be open to discussing and discussion and being proved right or wrong and growing. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the the christian life is never static we're supposed to be growing in the knowledge of the lord and progressing in sanctification mm-hmm. and yet somehow when it comes to our knowledge and 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 our ability to discern it's like our our powers of discernment are just blunt and and you and you read some of these guys it's like have you read anything the yeah. past few months like yeah. you're still dealing with issues like it was last people, march yeah, yeah. i feel like, like I y- you
0: mentioned you know, the charge of being political, like, Oh, we're being political because we're talking about freedom. Well, those people are the ones being political because they're just towing a party line. Yeah. And if they're not engaging with the arguments from the other side, yeah, then you're just, you're the ones being political. Yeah. Cause there's clearly, you know, there's, and, and there's, there's a political aspect to this. It's being foisted on us by politics. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how you can deal with this without, without that coming into play. Yeah. And you're right. It starts with the gospel. Yeah. But that has political implications. It's well, love.
1: It's, love is like gospel has l- implications of love. Yeah, and love is not indifferent to the indignity suffered by people and to uh, the lack of rights and freedoms that they are afforded. There's just no case. So I think, mm. I mean, what this has revealed, we could say this about anything, is that there is a gospel deficiency. What we're not saying is there's a political deficiency in the church that people need to be more libertarian or something. We're saying that there is a profound gospel deficiency in a lot of churches and a lot of people's lives, whereby they have these categories all out of whack, and we need we need a renewal, we need a revival in the churches, and we need genuine love to be manifest. Uh, in people's lives, which will produce a genuine concern for their neighbor and their their freedom, and uh, we just we need to stand against this, and I mean, if we want to look down the road, like if you had looked at where we are now and said a year ago that we'd be here, no one would believe you no like this started with two weeks to flatten the curve as a justification for the greatest restrictions in civil liberties. Ever, not only in Canada in the world, and there was a case to be made for that and 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 i I would be more cautious looking back now that I know what I know and say "Whoa, whoa, 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 there's another way to do this, like you don't need to put this into law and take away everyone's rights and all of that um but think of where twelve months has gotten us, and think of where we will be in two to three years. And by by we, I don't mean just because I'm upset about my loss of liberty. I mean, think about your neighbor. Think about especially those who don't have a job and tons of money Mm -hmm. and privilege that it doesn't really affect them. Think to the majority of people, uh, you know, 60, 70% of small business owners who support public health care. Think about those people. You know, Christians, we should be concerned about them.
2: So I guess... uh I guess the question is for the average Christian who um, doesn't necessarily have much uh, influence or even a wide social circle, um, how do we as average Christians, um, I guess, promote the 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 lovingness of liberty? How do we live it out? Uh, yeah. How do we... Um, Invite how do someone we love over for neighbor? dinner. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I think hey, that's...
0: I- Just do normal human things. Yeah. Like that, it jars people um, just to see people acting normal. Yeah. Like you guys were telling us um, after the uh, internment of your father, Alex, Mm -hmm. uh, you came to Westmount for the the ceremony Mm -hmm. and you said it was like coming into normalcy Mm -hmm. after being out in this crazy place Mm -hmm. where everybody's got masks on Mm -hmm. and you're trying to mourn, but you can't even see people's faces. Mm -hmm. And and then Mm -hmm. you come into this place. I think people will we'll react to that. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. There's this um, tendency that we all want to be able to change everything right away. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, we get on Twitter and Facebook and we, we make a big post and mm-hmm. then everybody gets mad and you respond and it's a fight. But we can have more influence just with the people around us, I yeah. think. And that's where it's got to start.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the law of liberty, we need to not accept a new law. We don't accept a new standard that tells us you can be free as long as you have alcohol and video games and porn. We're just like, "No, that's not free. That's not freedom. No, that's, that's not life." That's the definition of a slave. Yeah, that's a slave. <laughs> and so You could Christ- do all
2: those things in a 6 by 8 cell, yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You
1: yeah. can all do all those things in jail. That's a great illustration. So Christians need to say, "No, no. What does God say freedom is?" What does God say freedom looks like? What does the law of liberty look like? I'm going to do those things, even if the people around me say, you are against freedom, you are against liberty, you are against life, you're against human flourishing. I say, no, I'm not. I'm for human flourishing. I'm for the good of my neighbor. I love them, and I don't decide, and you don't decide what that looks like. God does. So that requires,
2: um, obviously, a a a greater biblical literacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think the profound kind of anthropological deficiency. We like we just don't understand what it is to live well and flourishing as yeah. human beings. So we just need to be immersed as I mean, as Christians in the Word more and mm-hmm. less immersed in CBC and mm-hmm. and global news and making sure our world is shaped by that. It all, and it also just requires courage, which I think. I mean, a lot of us still. Still so struggle with, like yeah. to, to do something, even a simple act of having people over mm-hmm. and to risk this, you know, the disapproval of your neighbor or your family member or to risk maybe not, in, not being able to see them, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they know you've been around people. Those are sacrifices, albeit small ones, that we just are unacquainted with. We don't, um, I mean, it's, they're, I guess, taking up our cross. It goes back to that. Hmm. Mhm. And you know, in small ways before we get to bigger ways. Yeah. I don't know. I think that is
0: big stuff though.
1: Oh yeah, uh, no it is
2: and that's
0: Yeah. Sure. Do you have we a go. text you wanted to read there? Well, I was just I just I keep flipping to different texts and then uh, you know the conversation swerves. Right. Uh but uh, I'm just thinking of Romans twelve. Yeah. Uh, the first couple of verses. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Mm-hmm. Like that's everything. Our 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 everything is uh a sacrifice to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um not just our time on the internet, mm-hmm. not just our time at work or at, at church, but mm-hmm.
1: everything. Mm-hmm. And as we do that, that promotes freedom, right? We offer a sacrifice of our love, of our life, of our obedience, of our worship to God. And that's what it means to live free. Yeah, you got nothing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if you
2: lose everything. Yeah. I mean, can you think of a more bankrupt individual than Paul literally yeah. just mm-hmm. sleeping on the roads that nights, you know, terrified he's going to get robbed and, uh, you know, shipwrecked and off just totally dependent on the generosity of, of churches. Mm-hmm. And yet he, I mean, you read the new Testament, he's exploding in doxology frequently and, um, you know, counting it such a privilege to be able to, to witness to the gospel of Christ. I mean, he's, he's got it. And, um, you know being you know seeing that for ourselves the riches in Christ so that if everything is taken away we're still rich mm-hmm. yeah that's uh yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's scary but uh, we definitely need to go there mm-hmm. and we may end up going there sooner than later so mm-hmm. uh hopefully we can all really immerse ourselves in you know the uh what the bible says about love and freedom and how that plays out? I mean, we didn't really get into too many of the texts tonight, but uh, maybe we could all go home and read Romans six, Galatians five, mm-hmm. some of these texts that speak of slavery and, mm-hmm. and righteousness and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm.
2: what what would you guys say to the Christian? Uh, he's in a church. Um, maybe the he's he's feeling outnumbered. Perhaps uh, maybe the. the the teaching isn't great or, or, you know, uh, he's not being taught to, um, uh, be immersed in the scriptures or, um, you know, maybe they feel alone. Um, are there, which, cause I think there's a lot of, there's Christians in that position. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. you know, not just in Peterborough, but I'm thinking all over Canada and the world and, and, and they're, they're surrounded by kind of the, the party line and um do, do they love people best by by staying in that um where do they go um
1: where do they where do they go what do they do well i think where do they go depends where there is to go yeah <laughs> and it depends obviously there's a lot of details surrounding that but a few maybe theoretical scenarios um you know there's a difference between a church who There could be reasons why, um, like say you have a church where the majority of people are 75 plus, right? And But those people could choose to stay home and isolate. A church should choose to love them the best they can while they decide to do that. You Mm -hmm. know, online services and safe visitations and these types of things, respecting that. Um, But I would say if you're in a place where you know your leadership is telling you that it is unloving to even desire Christian fellowship and that they have bought the worldly view of what human flourishing is if they have promoted a new law a new law which promises freedom which is just freedom from the remote possibility of a particular virus uh that's a very different scenario and if they if they you know condemn what Scripture um, requires and if they require what Scripture condemns, that's a really different problem. And and sadly, a lot of churches are there. I mean, as with any conflict, I would want to obviously go through a process with those in leadership and pray, definitely pray for them and pray that God would change their hearts. But I mean, if you've been doing this for a year Mm. and your leaders actually think it's sinful to want to gather together even in small groups if they think it's sinful that the people of God meet together given what we know about the virus now um i i would say like you're in a very dangerous place mm-hmm. and the, uh, to be honest this has just been a very revealing time uh, under the platitudes of love your neighbor no one loves their neighbor you know under the platitudes of keep people safe no one cares about keeping people safe uh they care about looking like they care about those things mm-hmm. And that's called hypocrisy, and it's leaven. And so I would, if, if, if I were in this situation as a Christian man, I'll just say what I would do. I would consider any and all options to get to a church that was prioritizing meeting together and obeying the law of liberty. Mm-hmm. I would prioritize that. I would change jobs. I would change cities. I would do any and all things so that my family could be under a ministry of the gospel and not a new law. They could hear Christ. They could be set free and they could live free lives, caring for the freedom of others. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more important than that. We have, nothing. uh,
0: we have at our church right now, a family, large family that drive three hours to get to service. Wow. From the other side of Toronto. Yeah. Because their church is going somewhere. They don't want to go. They don't want to go with them. They want to do what they think is the, the faithful, right thing to do. And you know, he's, the dad's looking for work here. They're looking yeah. for a house. It's amazing. They're willing to move and uproot the entire family.
1: And that is, and the thing is, that is entirely reasonable. Yeah. I think there so. Is oh, yeah. But it sounds, so that. it's it, like it to many crazy. people, it
2: will sound crazy. Yeah. Like that, that kind of prioritization of a, but, of a local. But do you want to
0: have a, a, a job and, uh, you know, a safe job without having to find a new one, and then worry about your kids' education not getting not getting a proper biblical education. Yeah. Or would you rather move, maybe take a little less money, and know that your kids are going to be well trained in the church and
1: KCCS? is oh, oh, it's know. entirely reasonable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, KCCS. That's Where right. else would you go? Yeah, uh,
0: just a conflict of interest here. <laughs> Full disclosure: we're all on the board of KCCS Coarth Classical Christian School. Proudly so. Lineage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Proudly so. So yeah, I mean that's that does sound crazy to people, but to me that sounds reasonable. Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. it's yeah. reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's some pretty heavy stuff today. That's our truth segment bloviating for like 40 minutes now we out, get onto the falsehood segment that's right no now we're going to talk uh, <laughs> about something it's actually good and beautiful this is gonna i didn't even put a beautiful segment on last week really sorry about that folks it's okay um this is so i this, mean this, i'm here
2: i'm hoping my beauty kind of exudes through the this the is a not a
0: video podcast so unfortunately people cannot relish your yeah <laughs> rugged good looks oh thanks <laughs> jeremy <laughs> So uh, this is a short story by a fellow named J.R.R. Token. You may know him from such books he? as uh, The Silmarillion and Tree and Leaf. No, uh, Lord of the Rings, everybody, come on. This is a book called Leaf by Niggle. It's a real short read. It's a really interesting read. It's about a guy who feels like his life, he, he, he can't accomplish what he wants to accomplish in his life. He's not motivated enough. There's not enough time. Too many distractions are getting in his way. Uh, and uh, so the the book opens with this euphemism about him having to go on a long journey. It's talking about his death. Uh, and then so he uh, he's a painter. He's trying to paint uh, for his, his whole life. And he ends up finishing one painting that ends up getting used to patch a hole in his neighbor's roof because there's a rainstorm. And the only thing that survives of his life work is this little leaf. Yeah. Uh, So this and this uh, now he's now he's in heaven. And there's this scene where uh, he sees something that reminds him. So here we are. Before him stood the tree, his tree finished. If you could say that of a tree that was alive, its leaves opening, its branches growing and bending in the wind that Niggle had so often felt or guessed and had so often failed to catch. He gazed at the tree and slowly he lifted his arms and opened them wide. It's a gift, he said he was referring to his art and also to the result but he was using the word quite literally he went on looking at the tree all the leaves he had ever labored at were there as he had imagined them rather than as he had made them and there were others there there, there were others that had only budded in his mind and many that might have budded if only he had had the time
2: I love that quote. I love yeah. that story. and I love that quote because it just, it rings so true. Yeah. I mean, we're just so often, we start projects, we don't get finished. We realize we don't have the, you know, the resources or the time to be able to finish them. And even when we do finish something, it's not kind of what we'd envisioned. And, and you know, so many people laboring in, in vocations and, you know, frustrated by bureaucracy and, and uh, you know, maybe lack of money to do their job it's just so many things yeah. and it, and it feels like well what a waste like if i don't get that done in and, this life
0: and the thing the, the beautiful thing about this is the real success in in heaven is his personal relationships and the things he thought he was bad at in life are the things he excels at in eternity hmm and the same yeah. thing with his neighbor who's there as well hmm. and and he gets a totally different view of his neighbor who he thought was bad at certain things but is now good at them and vice versa and so there's this the things that you didn't think were you know it's like storing up treasures in heaven you don't even know you're storing them up right all these little things we the discipline we do all the little things we're doing every day that we think aren't it doesn't matter They do matter. Yeah. And And, don't grow weary doing
2: good because they are. That's right. God sees. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, it's a really good book. Uh, Mm -hmm. You could probably read it in 20 minutes. It's a real quick one. And uh, it's in my personal library if you want it. You know, shoot me an email. Jeremy at the Dominion Podcast. Don't give it to Al. He won't return it. No, he won't. (laughs) He's already read it. And uh, I got to bring this home for my wife to read because it was on the nightstand when I took it. Anywho, anybody got any closing? uh,
1: Yeah, read John 8. John 8. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Amen. And we'll see you next time on the Dominion Podcast.